or at least the so like, now it's recording okay it was flashing so i didn't yeah so so in brew Well, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Kimmel and Cox, your source for all things entertainment. I'm Keith Cox, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Dylan Kimmel. Hey, how is it hanging, everybody? We survived Lexington Comic Con. We survived. I cannot believe it. That was that was crazy. That was crazy. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And we we uh, met a lot of people. Uh, you know, I was estimating that over the course of the four days we probably spoke to somewhere around 120 people uh, mm. out of the you know undoubtedly thousands of people who were there uh, but uh, still really good numbers you know uh, you know I was I was happy with that I think we accomplished what we set out to do which mm. was to you know to promote the podcast to, to get our names out there a little bit more make some new yeah. contacts and hopefully pick up some more followers and, and subscribers which we did yeah. uh so yeah. I, I think it worked uh you know and and uh and good thing is is now we still have uh, you know plenty of business cards and things left over so we're just kind of trying to hand those out you know wherever goal, we can goal know. main goal is to just be out of them Mm -hmm. not yeah, have them right. at all yeah we want to get rid of them you know uh, just to kind of uh make our investment uh more uh, worthwhile there but but yeah we had a great time and just not only meeting people attending the the convention but you know running into some of our our friends and uh fellow actors and filmmakers and uh and then other you know businesses vendors and stuff who were there so it was just it was an all-around uh, good experience i'm mm -hmm. glad glad we did it and uh you know hopefully hopefully, hopefully if we, we do it again yeah. next year and it'll be even you know bigger and better because now we know what to expect going right. into it so yeah but uh um, but today uh we are going to be discussing uh a uh, uh an extremely uh talented 
uh, director, writer, mm. and producer, which we've we've discussed some of his films already uh, this season, but we wanted to dedicate a celebrity profile exclusively to him. So, uh, so today we're going to be talking about Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. He is one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. He is up there with uh, with Steven Spielberg, um, and. Uh, Jeez, I mean, there's oh, so many, so, yeah, so, so many good so many great uh, directors, and and uh, and I'd mentioned to you that like I'd never really realized this before, but on the directing side, he really hasn't directed uh, that many films. I mean, it's like not, sixteen not or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's about so. sixteen films is about all he's directed, and uh, I mean, he got his his big debut was like in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. so. But um, yeah, he's he's highly sought after. Uh, he is known as probably the biggest filmmaker living today, who's still relatively young, because mm-hmm. <laughs> all the other big hotshot directors are nearing their yeah. hundreds now. Uh, nearing it, they're not quite one hundred yeah. yet, but they're nearing it. Yeah, they're they're uh, definitely. Uh, you know the veterans out there are you know slowing down a little yeah. bit. You know the you know the the Steven Spielbergs and the George Lucases and and uh, I think I saw that like Clint that. Eastwood is gearing up for his last film too. Yeah, he's he's up there. I mean, he's in his nineties now. Mm-hmm. So um, so late retirement. He's. I mean, I don't want to say you know that's a very short retirement or anything like that because I I'd want that guy to live forever honestly. Right. But yeah. yeah. But um, but but yeah, um, but Christopher Nolan is definitely uh, as far as uh, you know what I would consider like the newer generation of directors. He is certainly uh, mm-hmm. one of the best. So yes, yeah. Let's get into let's get into Christopher Nolan and his background. Yeah, quist, uh, <laughs> <laughs> quist, quist, Christopher, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Christopher Edward Nolan was born July thirtieth, nineteen seventy. Okay, and he was born in a little town called was it Westminster, Westminster, uh, London. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, uh, to a father who was uh, a, a British. A British advertising. He was in British ad- advertising, so a British advertising executive. And his mother was an American flight attendant. Yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting to me that you know when you read about uh, celebrities and their families, their backgrounds, and everything mm-hmm. that that in most cases their parents were just had you know regular jobs, Re- regular you know, jobs. Yeah, they, they you know. They weren't necessarily born into entertainment. A lot of not times, not so. always not always the case, but uh, it's it's kind of it does give you a little bit more hope for someone that didn't have any family members mm-hmm. starting in that. Um, I mean, I do have a family in the industry, um, and uh, you know, they've told me it's a pretty hard industry to get into. So. Oh, it is. A I lot mean, of competition. Shoot, you know, I even have family that they don't even know that they're family in the industry. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... So, yeah. it's you can so, guess who that is by my last name. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> but a... Um, but, yeah, it is very interesting. And so, based on that alone, 
you can probably assume that he has dual citizenship in both England and the United States. Yeah, that's yeah. A lot of uh, actors and, and directors do that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, pretty much have to to, to continue yeah. working in the industry. So. Yeah, he has two other siblings, an older brother named Matthew and a younger brother named Jonathan, who he tends to collaborate with often. They tend to write a lot, so they must have they must have a very close bond then. Uh, interesting enough, so Christopher Nolan has a British accent. His brother, Jonathan, does not. He mm. has an American accent. So it's, I mean, that is very interesting. Like we said, dual citizenship. So I'd say that his uh, brother spent a lot more time with his mother and he spent a lot more time with his father yeah that would make uh make sense but talking about accents though it's it's also really interesting how it seems like uh people from other countries for some reason don't have as much of a problem adapting their accent to to an american accent Mm, whereas whereas an american trying to trying to speak with a british accent or german or you know, or whatever. It, it, it does is. not come out it very does, well. It seems I like mean, just, they struggle a little bit more. I mean, just take me, for example. I'm not going to be able to do a very accent. Here, let me try and do a British accent for you. Okay, so it's going to come out Indian, I swear. Uh, all right, so here we go. We're going to hit... See, that's not that bad, though. That, that that's pretty good. See, now, that that's... Yeah. Once I call myself out on it, it ends up yeah. being see, perfect. You put, you but, put yeah. unfair uh, pressure on yourself. Yeah, so. but yeah. So, um... But yeah, he's got a British accent there and and uh, everything. I can do an Irish accent pretty good, but once I put myself on the spot, I'm not going to be able to do it. No. Uh, I think that's probably what it is, is as soon as you get put on the spot of doing that accent, you're like... No. Suddenly, it's just gone. Yeah. 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 But. Right out the window. Um, now, I want to get into some trademarks here because filmmakers have trademarks. They Now, I'm not so sure that they are voluntary like they went in and thinking oh yeah i'm gonna put this in the movie you know but uh but some, it just, sometimes it is but, but it just yeah. become it put, becomes a part of their style and whether yeah. they whether it's intentional mm-hmm. or not there are certain things that you will see from directors in each one of their movies right so for him let me see here let me see that i get this right now before i get into this here i just want to go through some quotes on how well he's uh, you know well established he is so he was dubbed an emotional mathematician by Guillermo del Toro. Hmm. Um, an emotional mathematician. So that means that he's, you know, very good at mathematic. Uh, well, he's very good at finding the emotion in characters. Yeah, it's al- almost almost like there's a science to it. Yeah. And uh, and from Joseph Bevan, he said of uh, of Christopher Nolan's films that they allow the art house regulars to enjoy superhero flicks and multiplex crowds to engage in a labyrinth a labyrinthian con- conceit. I'm sorry, I can't read my whole whole handwriting there. But yeah. So, I mean, I'd say that's very true. I mean, you can see you can see it just from his own movies, you know, you're like there is some sort something art houseian about it. Yeah, even even the big, you know, blockbuster movies that mm-hmm. that he has made and have yet, been, you know, they they still have a they're 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 good movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, on their own, like even if it wasn't like a, a like a comic book movie or whatever, yeah, the story and and the emotion, and everything is still 
you know, very much present. So. I mean, there is something true to that because uh, there is something Art Housean about it, but also he brings in the crowds. Right. Like, everyone loves those movies. Um, and lastly, he views himself as an indie filmmaker working within the uh, studio system. Yep, that actually makes a lot of sense, too. You know, with the, some of the, the movies that he's put out. Mm-hmm. Um you know they they do they they have that uh, i guess he you know he even though he's um you know working the big time you know he still considers himself he, he still would put himself in the same category as like you and me as being you know independent you know filmmakers that's probably the kinds of films that he would really prefer to make but uh, because he has had so much success, yeah. you know, with with uh, these movies that Hollywood keeps coming back to him and wanting him to make these epic. Uh, oh yeah, movies to and, it, and it's very interesting. Like just comparing myself to him there. Like okay, so he got his start, like his big break with a superhero movie. Um, I generally do not want to make a superhero movie. I wouldn't be opposed to making a superhero movie, but you know, I. I but it's a lot. Yeah, I, mean, I, I have. I've, I you seen my list of movie ideas? Not nearly any of them are superhero movie ideas. I mean, I might have a superhero flair with some of them, but they're not. Sure. It's hard. It's very hard to take on a superhero movie for sure. Oh yeah, coming up with an original plot and something that engages the audience, finding a new way to make uh, establish a character that's already been established. Sometimes, as it was with Superman, Batman, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, his uh, trademarks. So let's get into some of his trademarks here. Films will almost always leave the character's fate open to interpretation. Hmm. Like you can take that with pretty much every single one of them. Like, um, I mean, there's so many good ones. One that pops into mind is Inception. Have you seen Inception? Yes. Yes. The very ending of that with the turn dial, or, mm-hmm. or what, what what do you call that little toy? Uh, um, uh, like a compass? Is that what you're thinking of? Or uh, table a tabletop? Uh, but, but well, it's still spinning at the end of the movie and everything like yeah. that. And it's established early on that uh, you know if that you know keeps on turning, it's still in the dream, you know, yeah, or something to that effect, and. Um, he, uh, as that movie ends, it's still going that way. Um, I mean, there's like so many things. Like Prestige is one that ends in that way. Uh, but also, uh, he will not use CGI all that much. He will tend to use practical effects as much as possible. Yeah, which is always a good thing. Yes, I would love to be that that because uh, he can do if you're a well-established director you're the studio is going to go ahead and say yeah you can go ahead and do practical you know you bring in the big bucks go ahead do practical yeah. um unfortunately for me in particular if i were to be that way i'm not going to get it you know so uh but that's okay uh you just have to make a name for yourself to yeah. be that and then way. you pretty much get free reign to do whatever you want I mean, he does. He does. I mean, he just said he got the indie. He's an indie filmmaker living in the studio. Um, sudden now, films will end with a sudden flash cut to black with the title coming up. In all of his movies, they just go at just the very like a, end, just, just a like dramatic, just sharp <sighs> cut to black. I never really. I guess I never yeah. really paid attention. And to uh, that. you know what? I'll, I'll do a quick edit like that just so people get the idea. 
Yeah. You know, there you go. <laughs> That's what he does. Uh, <laughs> and uh, for those that aren't lis- that are just listening, you would have no idea what I'm saying. Yeah. But um, so you don't know what he's doing over there. But um, the original score will play over most of the film. Very rarely is there any no music silence. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, funny enough, I think that might have been an issue with me too. Is like, like once I get the music in there, I'm like, I can't have it be silent yeah, through all. Yeah, of it. it's like figuring out where to to place that music, and and there really is an art just to that by mm-hmm. itself. Is you know yeah. where where is the silence appropriate, and where do you need a little bit of uh, a little bit of score? Where do you where do you need like a a, a soundtrack? kind of yeah. song you know like because because all of that evokes feelings and emotions so i mean he constantly collaborates with um hans zimmer on the music so you know the music is also the uh soul to the movie right and hans zimmer is the soul to a nolan movie so um because very rarely is there ever a music. Now, Tenet was not done by him. Hans Zimmer did not direct, uh, compose the music for that one. Right. Uh, that was the only one where there was like a conflict with the schedule. Mm. So he was unable to commit to it. But uh, more often than not, Hans Zimmer is behind the score. And Hans Zimmer is a master composer. Yes. It's like uh, if... if um, it's kind of like how John Williams is always associated with Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do have composers that tend to work with the same directors over and over again. Mm. Uh, Danny Elfman with Tim Burton. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, there's so many other great uh, composers, you know, out there. You know, Elmer Bernstein, and um, which who, who has worked mostly with Ivan Reitman, the late mm. Ivan Reitman. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of some others that where it's been like that. Um you know, to be honest, the music score going on throughout the entire thing. I even thought about that for for our podcast there too. But you know, honestly, that's kind of hard to do. It is because yeah. you know because just making it appropriate, like you know, you want to have the right can't style be, of music. It can't and, be too loud. It has yeah. to be it has and, to be perfect. And then you know, having to you know, do you. Do you change the tone of the music depending on what we're talking about? Like, yeah, if, 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 we if we have make a composer a or something listening. funny, do you know? Do you yeah. change that to a more to a more light, you know, comical tone? I, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see a composer actually come up to us and um, come up with the music for us. What is our sound? You know, what yeah. what, what 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 do you see exactly? You know, what do you hear when you you hear yeah. us talk? We would you know based on the types of subjects that we talk about and just our general. You know, yeah, our uh, general personality. What, yeah, what, what, what that, is it? That, what is that it? banter and everything? Like, so yeah, we definitely want to eventually, uh, you know, find a composer to actually compose, uh, you know, maybe an original theme, you know, for us. Mm, some theme yeah. music, you know, would be great. Yeah, but, we would like that. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, now, uh, now another interesting thing: the antagonists, and I think this is true. I mean, if you go back into your um, memory banks here for the others. The antagonists will mo- be motivated by philo- philosophical beliefs, not money. Yeah, I guess that is true. Yeah, now that I think about it. I mean, I'm just thinking about that one line that Heath Ledger's Joker says in The Dark Knight. It's not about money. It's about sending a message. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, and he burns a whole pile of cash. So, yeah. so yeah, there's there's uh, lessons to be learned uh, in these in these movies, and I guess that's the approach that he takes yeah. with the characters. And the protagonists have a desire to return to their children. Some of them, if if they have children, they would have a desire to return to them. Mm. Uh, films will contain blackmail in some form or another. Um, what was that? Oh, sorry, <laughs> that was my <laughs> that was the that was my work oh. that was my work phone okay. uh, going off there. And oh, it's shoot. like they're either yeah they're either that's pretty loud. Yeah, it is pretty loud. Can't um, miss that. The films will contain blackmail. Um, and the films will explore concepts of time appearing in soundtrack, theme, and story or, and plot. Now, there's a difference in story and plot. I don't think people know that. There's differences in plot and story. Mm. Now, um, now my, my educational side is failing me there, so I cannot educate you on the difference on plot and story. But there's a difference. Um, yeah, if, go ahead and look it up. What's the difference between plot and story? I would, yeah. I don't know. I I would think I would think story would be more of the the overall arc of of the you know movie or or whatever, like the general sort of like a general outline. Mm-hmm. Whereas plot gets into more specific details, like the, yeah. the, the the devices and the actions and things that move the story along. That's how yeah, I would look yeah. at it. But yeah. yeah. Uh, use of characters with mysterious backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Can see that a lot too. Mm, yeah. Um, we'll frequently cast Michael Caine, mm-hmm. Killian Murphy, uh, Gary Oldman, Tom Hardy, Kenneth Branagh, Josh Stewart, and Hathaway, Christian Bale, and Jeremy Theobald. Yes, we have seen all of those uh, in in a lot of Christopher Nolan's movies. So. And characters will seek vengeance over the death of a loved one. Will often gain either a physical or philis- or f- physical or psychological handicap over the duration of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen that too. And so, yeah, those are his trademarks. So you'll find those trademarks in all of them. Now, uh, a film, a person that like me that that loves film will often, you know, will be able to tell who's directing the film will not need the uh, director's uh, credit in the yeah, film. You can like, tell by the yeah. style and, and, and by looking at those uh, signatures. Yeah. Uh, fun thing that I'd like to mention here, just to even audience members that are on the regular will probably recognize a filmmaker and not even realize it's the filmmaker. Um, I remember uh, showing my ex a couple of movies here and it was just interesting. It was like a little, you know, interesting to see her reaction to a certain director i would never mention the director Mm -hmm. but she hated the director (laughs) because uh okay so and uh i'll I'll mention the movies fight club seven you know Mm -hmm. um gone girl you know and the interesting thing is is that watching these movies i loved all those movies by david fincher and uh she would be like i hate this movie (laughs) This is an <laughs> and, awful, awful movie. I and, do not like and she it. Did, and she didn't even realize why she hated it. And yeah. it's like if she had known the director, she'd be like, oh, that's why, because I can't stand any movie that he makes. Yeah. So, so it's very interesting to me, that concept of like, yeah, people, you know what you like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, influenced at a young age by the work of Ridley Scott and other sci-fi films such as uh, Space Odyssey or uh, Star Wars. Um, he would research extensively on how that movie was made. And he even made a little short film at a young age that was an homage to Star Wars called Space Wars. Hmm. And he had an uncle that was in NASA. And um, he gave him footage from, from that. And uh, he would use that footage in his little movie and had his brother in the movie. His uh, younger brother, Jonathan, was in that little short film. And um, by his teens, he ended up working with uh, Adrian and Rocco Bellick, making a little film called Tarantella that was showcased on Image Union, an indie film and video showcase that was on PBS. Oh, okay. A little public so, access television there. So that that's very interesting. So it's already interesting. starting to see his yeah interesting way to start, but but still kind of being in the public eye. Yeah. Now uh, he edu- he was educated at Hellebury and Imperial Service College, and later studying at English Literature University College, or he studied English literature at University College London UCL. Uh, using UCL's filmmaking facilities and as president of the Union's Film Society with with his then-girlfriend, future wife, and future producer, Emma Thomas. Oh, yes. Um, they were able to make... Uh, they were screen feature films in 35mm and during the school year and used the money that they profited from that... Uh, and make 16 millimeter films over the summer. Very cool. I always thought it would be fun to shoot a film, uh, you know, in mm. in like you know 35 millimeter yes. or whatever. It's, it's I've I've wanted to do that for a very long time. Film is very expensive, so yes, because it's uh, it's you. Uh, that's why mm. you know you know in the old days the, why they would try to get you know something in as few takes as possible because the you know film mm-hmm. was so expensive and yeah. so it's like once you start rolling it's like you better very be very like big on challenge there like he is one of the few filmmakers that will try and preserve that artistic nature of using you know millimeter film yeah nowadays it's like everybody basically tries to replicate the look of uh of film but with digital which mm-hmm. you know can be done, but it's it's still not it's just not quite the same. It's not the same as having those, uh, you know, cracks and pops in the film grain and and stuff like that, and the uh, you know the color saturation and all that stuff just looks different on film than it does on yeah. digital. So. And I, I would love to do that. That would be a phenomenal thing. Um, but by 1993, he earned his bachelor's degree. And worked as a script reader, a camera operator, director of corporate videos and industrial film. So he's so, already already breaking into the business a little bit there and learning about the mm-hmm. the ins and outs of the entertainment industry. Oh yeah, it sounds to me that he's tried really hard, very successfully, might I add, to do that. Now, uh, by 1996, he made a short film called Larceny. Now you cannot find this film anywhere. Uh, a short film called Larceny that appeared at Cambridge Film Festival. 
and by 1997, a little short film called Doodlebug. <laughs> now, uh, this little film you can find, but if you buy the his other his feature film, the following, you can buy this on Criterion, and it actually has the little short film, the Doodlebug, on there. Oh, on okay. The special features. Okay. So you can watch that. Now, the following is only available in Criterion. You can only find it there. Which honestly, the following. Now, this is a movie that is. Um, phenomenal now this is his big break the following is uh by mid 80s he failed a feature film called larry mahoney he, he was trying to make a feature film with his brother called larry mahoney and it failed never mm. got the budgeting there Be, uh, facing he fa- he faced rejections left and right at this point as do as do many people in mm-hmm. the business yeah and um he had a limited pool of finance in the uk he stated uh, never had support from the f- from the British film industry, is what he said. Um, now, by 1998, on a budget of three thousand pounds, three thousand pounds. Now, that's not a lot. <laughs> uh, starring Jimmy Th- Jeremy Theobald, a full year to make this movie. Mm. Uh, cast and crew were friends of Nolan's. And they all had uh, employment with uh, a full-time jobs. They all had full-time jobs. And you know how hard it is to work with a full-time job. Yep. So all of them had to work on Saturdays. So I imagine they'd be skeleton crews on that. Yep. Saturdays only. Entire year making this movie. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, you, you and I, I think, have both experienced that. I know I, you know, have... I've seen that with yeah. uh, limited you know, equipment. Yeah, little uh, you know, little short, little short film that I did. You know, Jenkins Choice. You know, that was like a twenty-six minute film, but it it took us literally it took us three months to mm-hmm. film it for that very reason because we could only film on certain days. Everybody, pretty much everybody that was working on the cast and crew had day jobs. And yeah. so literally it was, we were really only filming on weekends and maybe occasionally an evening like through the week. And so it stretched out over uh, three months. I think it was, I think it was only 11 actual days mm-hmm. of filming. Yeah. But those 11 days were stretched across three months. So, yeah. yeah. And then, and the longer you string something like that out, obviously it's, it's, it's not like, you know, shooting a movie like consistently for several weeks at a time. Because people's looks change, you know, like yeah. their hairstyles change, either their yeah, hair starts it. growing out or they start losing their or, hair or, or whatever. You know, and so or, you have to make, yeah. you know, you have to make adjustments, you know, there to try to, to try to maintain a, you know, a consistent look. So there's all kinds of difficulties that can play into it when you're filming for that. that oh, yeah. Long. Oh, yeah. Um, but I just found that phenomenal that he was able to make that because this was his big break. He it ended up being in film festivals and won a whole bunch of awards. Um, and this actually got him to make his big film debut starring Guy Pierce and, uh, what's her name? Carrie Ann Moss. Mm-hmm. Memento, which was oh, based Memento. off of a short story that his brother had wrote called uh, Memento Mori. Now, uh, now, that is a very good film. Uh, that was released in 2000 mm-hmm. and distributed uh, by... New market. It was rejected by nearly every studio. And yep, we've seen that kind of thing time and time again mm-hmm. too. It's like sometimes you 
shop around a script to several big studios and you know and and you get lucky if you find that one that that bites and says okay we'll you know we'll do this and so yeah and uh, and then by 2001 he and his wife founded syncope inc oh yeah so they have a producing company together um and by 2002 impressed with memento steven soderbergh uh, so this so, Soderbergh yeah. Soderbergh yeah. yeah thank you <laughs> uh, recommended Nolan for Insomnia to Warner Brothers Warner Brothers wanted a big name director uh-huh. obviously but you know Soderbergh was like get this guy yeah and lo and behold we get Insomnia starring Al Pacino and Robin Williams yeah there you go now you've got now you've got big names attached to your projects it's like you know you can you can see the progression in his in his career you know like from where he started and mostly just working with friends and it's like now you've got big uh you know yeah. it, it doesn't get much bigger than guys like that so now uh he almost directed a howard hughes biopic now i found this interesting because it was i read somewhere that was going to star jim carrey as mm-hmm. howard hughes I think uh, I remember something about that too. And he he wrote this script, and he said it was like the best script he's ever written. But he shelved it. Mm-hmm. Do you know why he shelved it? Mm-mm. Because near that same time, Martin Scorsese came out with a little movie called The Aviator. Oh right, yeah. And uh, and he, and I guess Christopher Nolan's like, I there's no way I'm going to be able to compete with Martin Scorsese. I'm going to put this yeah, away. Forget about that. Yeah, The Aviator was was good too. Yeah, and usually uh, now I've never seen it done where there's like two films released in the same year that one's better than the other. Like usually one is better than the other, but mm-hmm. both of them being on par with each other. Now that's unprecedented. I imagine that would be on par because if you look at uh, Chris Nolan's uh, track record, he does not have a bad movie. He does not have a bad movie. Like every single one of them, his lowest rated movie happens to be The Prestige. And the prestige. I haven't seen that one. But. The the prestige only has seventy one percent. Seventy one percent is not bad at all. No, it's it's not. That's not still not terrible. I mean, you know, you're you're still up in that. Yeah. You know, higher range. So, but I guess compared to his others, that's the. I'm I'm always amazed by how well a director is if they're doing this track record of having extensively good films. Like, Quentin Tarantino is also on that track record of having good films as well. Mm-hmm. Now, interesting enough, though, all of his films are rated R, usually. Yeah, because of all the violence, the blood, mm-hmm. and, yeah. But uh, Chris, uh, Christopher Nolan, they're always PG-13. Like, he's a class director, is what he is. Yeah. Like, everyone can go see his movies. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, I, I think that's how you when you think of longevity, I think that's how you have a really good career is like, okay, I'm only going to take it this far. Like I'm mm-hmm. not going to cross that line because as soon as I cross that line, then I lose a certain section of, and of not, not the, only that, the, uh, the audience. Yeah. And not only that, like when I say he's a class actor, like even with his actors, like when he casts like a female role in his movies, he never, like if you've actually noticed his, his uh, female actresses actually wear, uh, presentable clothing, not revealing clothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I all, can see that. 
Yeah. Like Catwoman in the comics, like Anne Hathaway played Catwoman. Catwoman in the comics, they're a little bit more, I mean, you know, you're writing a comic book for yeah. um, basically boys. Te- teenagers, pretty yeah. much. Pre-teens and teenagers. And, so um, you know, boys tend to want eye candy, so. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, as a really tight you know, uh, mm-hmm. form-fitting, you know, clothing and stuff and, like uh, that. And yeah. Christopher Nolan, when he cast Anne Hathaway, now she is in a role where she's not dressed like that at all as Catwoman. It's much more presentable, much more tactical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, uh, efficient. it's efficient. Yeah. You know, it's not just, you know, putting, like you said, eye candy out there where it's like, if, if anybody was really fighting crime, in something like that, you know, like, like, well, I mean, even, even going back to the, the sixties Batman TV series and what, and what like Catwoman and Batgirl wore in that, it was like, nobody would ever fight in something like that because yeah. you probably would rip the clothing. Like <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you tried to kick too high, you would I'm probably sure split, did rip. You'd I'm probably sure split the costume yeah. right down the leg or something. So it's just not, it's not practical. Yeah, no, no, it isn't. Um, but, um, but he put that on the shelf. And then by 2003, he approached Warner Brothers with the project of making a more grounded take on Batman. Batman. Yes. Yes. And now, now that's the movie that, that got me into Christopher Nolan. And I think almost everybody, because this was his big break. That was, that was, like, that was yeah, the big one. That was my introduction to Christopher Nolan, was Batman Begins. Uh, and honestly, I'd say that he saved me from, like I mentioned this in Tenet, like he saved me from actually just sticking to superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Because it was him that he's like, okay. Like it was like him, let me take you on for a little he, ride. He kind of... He and, kind of uh, he kind of like subverted the, yeah. the genre a little bit there. He kind of unlocked, you know, things, and he's like, "There's more to this than just that." Yeah, that was a big one, and that was, I mean, his his take on Batman like was probably my second favorite, uh, you know, version of those characters uh, behind behind Tim Burton. You know, mm-hmm. it, he was the you know because we. Because the Batman, you know, franchise got off the path. Like as soon as Tim Burton, you know, left, they started going in a different direction. They started going more comical and campy, you know. And so, yeah. so Christopher Nolan brought the franchise back to that that dark and serious tone that we expected to see from a Batman film. Now, uh, now I'm gonna pause it here for a moment here. Now I see that my camera, because now I have it facing me, my camera is about to go dead. <laughs> Uh-oh. This is not good. So uh, <laughs> um, I have an idea here for, well, it's not about to go dead like my phone isn't going to be dead. But I have a quick little idea here that the last remainder of this uh, podcast, if you're watching it, we're going to have it like both of us just to finish it out so it doesn't like, so people can keep watching it. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, you mean doing like a split, like a split? Yeah, like our first, thing? like our first uh, episode. Oh, yeah. No, I, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, where we have both uh, a two mm-hmm. shot, both of us in the same yeah. in the same shot. Which it won't shouldn't be too jarring uh, since we are facing each other yeah. now and yeah. So once it does, but anyways, let's see how well it goes. Yeah, we'll keep trucking trucking along here. But um, anyways, as I was saying. Batman. Batman Begins. Now, that movie stars Christopher Nolan. Uh, Christ- well, uh, Christian, Chris- Christian Bale. I'm yeah. stuck on Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah. uh, stars Christian Bale, who had the 
the oh my goodness like he did a movie just before this called the machinist and in the machinist he was bony yeah i mean he lost a ridiculous amount of weight for that he had a diet of only apples and tuna apples and tuna it was scary it was scary how how thin he got for that i'm sure i'm sure he got sick too oh oh my goodness and within a spectrum of only a couple of months he gained a whole lot of muscle to play batman in fact christopher nolan steps him aside he says this is too much muscle you need to scale it back a bit (laughs) he's like oh okay so he done his job too well but i just think it's just so like just the transformation was so dramatic yeah and uh and not only that but also stars uh michael caine as alfred Mm mm-hmm uh, and I'm sorry. Uh, uh, um, I'm sorry, uh, Morgan. Uh, Ms. Morgan Freeman. Morgan as Freeman. As, uh, as Lucius, Lucius Fox. Fish. Lucius Fox. Yeah. Lucius Fish. Who's Lucius <laughs> Fish? <laughs> Look, I'm a Batman fan. Uh, I don't know who Lucius he's, Fish. Is. Yeah, he's the one that Lucius is the one that comes up with all of the uh, gadgets and everything for mm-hmm. uh, for Batman. His his armor and and the Batmobile and. Uh, and the grappling yeah. hooks and all that, the cool stuff that we're used to seeing with... Uh, with Christopher the Nolan knows how to cast a movie. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that. Gary Oldman. One of yes. my... He, he's another one of my all-time favorite actors. Honestly, this entire cast is a few of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. Um, As uh, Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon. Now, that guy is chameleon in pretty much every single role. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's almost... Uh, you know, unrecognizable in a lot of you know his roles. I keep thinking of was it uh, was it Hannibal? Yeah, he was in Hannibal. Uh, um, the Fifth Element. Yeah, I mean, he really I love that role. He really transforms himself for just about any any oh, role that he does. Uh, yeah. Leon the Professional. The, the guy's phenomenal yeah. in everything. I, I like like, yeesh. <laughs> Can you not be good for once? Right. Um, <laughs> Can you just make some crap? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean the the whole the whole trilogy that Christopher Nolan did. I mean, for me, like you know, the next you know movie, The Dark Knight, was like <sighs> that. You know where where Tim Burton's 1989 Batman, you know, was the gold standard for a while. You know, when the Dark Knight came along, it's like he he set the bar again. Christopher Nolan set the bar as again. As a matter of such fact, a, such a good movie. As a matter of fact, because of his uh, movies, Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises and everything like that, superhero movies after that wanted to follow suit and copy him mm-hmm. to very ill effect. Because one, you're not Christopher Nolan. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that like Batman Begins was phenomenal. Uh, that was followed by the 2006 movie prestige starring hugh jackman michael king and christian bale mm-hmm. and david bowie david bowie was in this movie too uh oh you've got to see this movie too uh scarlett johansson before she ended up big time because i don't think she was as well known at this point mm. yeah that would have been earlier in her career for sure um she played a a, a love interest to i believe was hugh jackman's character and uh, her character dies mm. in a freak accident, uh, uh, a magic trick gone wrong. And th- that separates these two magicians from each other. And uh, 
you know, they end up in a feud with each other mm-hmm. until a new magic trick comes along and they learn about it and try and compete with each other with this magic trick. And oh my goodness, it is such a good movie. Such a good movie. Uh, definitely, definitely recommend that one as I recommend almost all of his movies. Um, now, uh, that was uh, based on a book by the same name by Christopher Priest. And uh, that was followed by the 2008 movie, The Dark Knight. Yes, that was just just so phenomenal. I mean, mm. you know, you had, gosh, Heath Ledger, you know, as the Joker. I, you know, yeah. I, up to like, that point, I didn't think, I didn't think. That, you didn't think anyone would be able to top Jack Nicholson. Right, but, um, but he took it. You know, he he played it differently. You know, he took it in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, my gosh, the just the, I mean, like he was just so like, you know, disturbed and like, but it, yeah. but at the same, but at the same time, almost likable. And it was yeah. like he he really balanced that perfectly of the being this villainous person. But it's like he almost, I mean, he would make you laugh. I mean, that's what the yeah. Joker does. Is like, you know, he he's he's murdering people. But somehow you, he finds a way to make you sort of like him a little bit. And the interesting thing, and, yeah. The interesting thing about that is my little sister Trinity, uh, she does not like Batman. Hates Batman. Mm. I showed her a Dark Knight, and I said, "What do you think?" She's like, "My goodness, that was good." <laughs> it was hard. To, it was hard to uh, to deny she, how good it was. The sad thing is, is that I was like. Yeah, it's sad we can't get any more of his Joker. And she said, yeah, they moved on from that. Yeah, and he's passed away, too. And she's like, she, he, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, it's uh, storage is full. full. So yeah. we've reached the end of your reached the end there. camera. So let but me. that's okay. We will kind of reset a little bit here uh, for the remainder of the episode. Yeah, let's see here. I might do a quick cut. So Okay. So we can do that. Uh, let's see here. See, it restarted on yours. Oh, yeah. I wonder why yours didn't didn't do that. Now, Weird. Uh, is your mic fully charged, or did it go? Um, or you no, no, mine's still going. Mine's still okay. good. The microphone's I'm, good. I'm probably going to unplug this so you, have, you don't get it tugged. Or do you think that'll be all right? No, I think it should be. should be okay. Yeah, yeah it should be all right. And, uh, oh, well, now I've knocked you out of there. Okay. And, and we shouldn't have... And we're already uh, we're already at forty five minutes, so we probably don't really have too much too much longer to go in this episode anyway. Yeah, I'm near the end here too. Yeah, so so this one is going to be a little bit long, but not as long as. Now, can you still hear yourself? Yeah, I can still hear myself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that works. I think that'll be fine. Okay.
So, maybe we'll put this drain down here. Get the you know product product placement out of the shot. <laughs> okay. okay. All right, and back to it. Once you get in position there. Okay. Okay. So, so now we're we're back on track a little bit. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, about sorry that. for any uh, little for that little uh, glitch there uh, with the with the editing, but these are the things that happen sometimes with technology. So, but anyway, we were uh, to continue talking about you know the Dark Knight. Obviously, uh, you know uh, Heath Ledger's Joker was you know was so memorable and. And, and then you had Aaron Eckhart uh, as mm. Two Face. Yeah. Uh, very again, very different take on that character than what we had seen uh, yeah. previously. Like Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face was. Eh, it was yeah, very it was, cartoony. It was, it was yeah. It was it was okay, but it was a little but, bit um, goofy. But his uh, take on Two Face, like to be honest, I don't know if you can do Two Face now because that was too good. Yeah. Aaron Eckhart was really good on that. Um, and also, I mean, this movie is like one of the first superhero movies to earn awards. Mm-hmm. Now it also it, it's been nominated several times. And now it won for best sound editing and best supporting actor Heath Ledger posthumously. Yeah, which is well deserved. Heath Ledger's performance was just so well done, and unfortunately, he passed away before he even got to see. The movie finished. Yeah. Um, but um, but it was a well done performance, and to be honest with you, there's not been a good Joker since. No, I mean uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, did do a pretty good uh, Joker. Yeah. But you know that's like a that was that was uh, you know way off from mm-hmm. from what was really in the comics, and they you know took a completely different spin on it. And I didn't yeah. really care for. Um, um, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. I didn't really care for his portrayal either. I think he was yeah. probably the worst uh, that, <laughs> that that we had seen, and you know. But, yeah. But, yeah. I didn't really care for Jared Leto no. either. And uh, we have another new Joker in the Batman. Um, he's been cast, uh, Barry Kilgan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Which we didn't really get to see see he, much of him in that. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. So to see. it's going to be interesting to see how he is. Um, but uh, we'll we'll see. Um, but following the Dark Knight, we had 2010's Inception. Mm-hmm. Dreams within dreams within dreams. Um, now that is, I mean, that is espionage on another level. Uh, many of his movies do include spies. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a that's like a a Cold War movie, but with dreams. You know, getting ideas from people's heads. Yeah, like it's um, it's very good, uh, starring Leo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm-hmm. Um, then at that time, Ellen Page, right? What, what, yeah. what What's her name now, or his, his name? Uh, it, it escapes me now, but I know who you're talking about. I apologize. Yeah. Um, but anyways. Someone, someone will tell me. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> someone will correct us. Um, but uh, that that was a very good movie as well. Uh, highly recommend that one. Um, and that was followed by the finale, 
of the Dark Knight. Trilogy. The Dark Knight Rises. Yes. Uh, which was... Uh, I mean, it was... I don't feel like it was as good as The Dark Knight. No, definitely not. I, I would probably... I would probably rank it the lowest out of the trilogy. Yeah, I'd rewatch The Batman Begins. I'd rewatch The Dark Knight. I'd probably watch The Dark Knight Rises if I'm doing a marathon. Mm-hmm. But, but not really like just on its own. Like if yeah, you're going to pick one out yeah. of the bunch, that's not going to be the one that you're I gonna... watched The Dark Knight alone. I watched The Batman Begins alone. Um, the Dark Knight Rises, I don't really watch alone. It's yeah. like. It's just like, yeah. yeah. But it's still good. Yeah, I mean, still it's the great. best interpretation of Bane because before that we had Batman and Robin Bane, right? Where he's basically just basically just grunting, and he was he was more like the Incredible Hulk in that in that mm-hmm. movie than like you know he didn't talk or anything. Yeah. He just spoke and grunts and growls and all that stuff. So, Bane. oh yeah, he did say Bane. Yeah, yeah, he yeah that's all he said. <laughs> Bane. Uh, and instead, but, you have this uh, this guy. I can't do the voice. He's like. Oh, so you know, like that, like that. Yeah, had the weird. Yeah, yeah, the weird voice because he had. Doc, this is your ally. (laughs) 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 So many people like uh, parodied that too after that movie. Yeah, even even in the Lego Batman movies, like the the Bane in that one is also like that. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) it's so funny because you get two characters there that have like uh, these voices that that, there have been riffs on those because at first you wouldn't be able to understand what Bane is talking about. Yeah, you really had to listen, lean in and listen closely to figure uh, out what he was Same thing with uh, Batman too, uh, Christian Bale's voice on that. That, That's the one thing we actually, uh, we We actually we talked about this at at Comic Con because we, uh, somebody that came to our booth, we, we got started talking about comic book movies and everything and and that seems to be the consensus not only with him but with a lot of other people was that that was the one thing that they hated the most about Christopher yeah. Nolan's Batman is when Christian now, Bale would do the Batman voice where he had this gruff like you know like now here's like, the interesting where thing where is she you know and everybody yeah. got tired of where that where is she <laughs> what have you done <laughs> I'm not going to lose my voice <laughs> but uh, now here's the interesting thing I don't know if people notice this. Now, I, I, I encourage you to actually go back and watch Batman Begins. Now, go back and watch The Dark Knight. There is a subtle difference in the voice. He did mm. not nail his Batman voice originally again. Because there is a subtle difference in that mm. voice. There's a, there was kind of this thing that he did, too, where, like, not just the like the yelling and all that, but, like, the only way I can describe it is it's like the mask. It was like the mask was pinching his nose a little bit too hard. Mm. So he kind of had this, like, I can't really do it. But it's It was all, a very triangular. But, so, yeah, but it, it was, was like, it was almost like it was, you know, like he couldn't. It was almost like like he had a, almost like he had a cold or something. You mm. know what I mean? Like he had, yeah. this, there was almost a little bit of a, a lisp or something to his voice too. But it But it all seemed like it was originating from. The from nasal the, passage. From the, and, yeah. It was just a really weird kind of thing. But anyway. Yeah. But um, now that was followed by... Um, now, th- he did end up producing because he, uh, he was pitched by David S. Corey, who was a co-writer for those movies. He was pitched to direct Man of Steel, but he didn't want to do All another right. superhero movie. Yeah. So what he ended up doing is he hired Zack Snyder, impressed with 300 and... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and um, Watchmen, and, and, and then he produced uh, produced Man yeah. of Steel. Now, uh, I actually loved Man of Steel. Man of Steel was the one movie that actually got me into Superman because I was not a big Superman fan. Mm. If anything, I guess it took Zack Snyder and Christopher Nolan to get me to appreciate Superman. <laughs> and, but, and, um, and yeah. you know, where whereas I, you know, grew up on the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, and so mm. that was that. Was, I mean, I do up until that point. Yeah, you know, that was my favorite Superman, and, it, and it's yeah. And you know, you go back and watch them now, and and you know they they are you know dated. I mean, yeah. like you know, compared to what we get now. I mean, but, honestly, but you can't. It just, he just nailed like, it. Yeah, you know. Now I will say that that was probably the best Lex Luthor that we ever got in live action. True, Gene Hackman. But TV, and we've I gotten love, some very good. I love the character Otis. I love the character Otis. If I ever got a chance to play a role in that, I'd probably play. I, mean, I don't think I could play Otis. I'd probably oh. fit with Lex Luthor. <laughs> Look at my head. I, I could get cast as Lex Luthor, but, right? Yeah. But Otis, but Otis yeah. was so much fun. Like it just, yeah. just a kind of a, kind of a, a foil to uh, Lex's plans. But but anyway, yeah. Know, back to uh, Christopher Nolan. We didn't really get after uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, we really haven't gotten too many more films out of uh, Christopher Nolan. He takes a he takes a couple years break. Yeah. By 2014, he ended up making Interstellar. Pretty good movie there. Saw that. Yeah. And uh, that is a phenomenal movie with Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Again, Michael Caine's in that movie. Uh, is it Jessica Chastain in that movie too? Is that who? Uh, yeah. Anne Hathaway's in that movie as yeah. well. Um. And then that was followed by 2017. 2017 was when they had that big break. 2015, 2016, that's a two-year gap. Mm-hmm. Um, Dunkirk. Now, this is the first actual, you know, based on real events movie directed by him. And at first I was like, man, I want him to stay in sci-fi. This is going to be crap. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Dunkirk was phenomenal, and somehow he managed to make his, you know, twisty, you know, move you know where you're like what in the world yeah because the thing is is that there's things happening like it follows this person that person this person the way it's edited is such a way where you're like oh that took place during that yeah like then it's like mind blown and uh dunkirk was followed by the 2020 movie that we have to we have, there's we an have reviewed, review it. Of yeah, that reviewed it earlier in the season tenant tenant now, uh, we've already gave our thoughts on Tenet mm-hmm. in depth. Yes, in that one. So and, go ahead which, and watch so, that. So yeah, definitely check that out. And it's uh, and, and so that actually turned out to be so far that is the last movie that we have gotten from mm-hmm. uh, from Christopher Nolan as a director. Yes, and the the next movie that he will come out with is Oppenheimer, which is also oh, based off true events. Yes, that's coming out this seen, year. Yeah, I have seen the trailers for that. That's coming out this so. year, starring Killian Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has a well-rounded cast yeah. as well. Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of people. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, if you get a chance, uh, check out as many of Christopher Nolan's movies as you can. Yes, uh, you will not be uh, disappointed. And like as we, as we said, even if you don't like normally like the superhero movies, and you think, oh, I'm just like I'm so sick of of, of that because that seems like that's all there is now. You know, if you watch the that you know trilogy of Batman movies that he did, and like I think I think it will if it will turn you around. If you mm, if you yeah. didn't like superhero movies prior to that, 
watch those and that will change the way you look at, at those kinds of movies so now uh, now I have omitted a few other details there as uh, there is so much about Christopher Nolan but uh, again there's only like so many movies as well there's like those are all of his movies yeah that's yeah, yeah. pretty much it and wow. um, and he's a bit of a recluse Nolan feels that uh, too much biographical info would uh, detach the experience of the audience and he says, uh, I actually don't want people to have me in mind at all when they're watching the films. So with that, I'd say that is actually a good closing point Yes, on Christopher Nolan. Yes, I think that's an excellent way to, uh, to end this episode. Uh, but uh, before we go, as always, we want to remind all of you to be sure to subscribe, like, and share to our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, feel free to... Uh, leave your comments uh, on there, comments, questions, suggestions, you know, anything uh, you can think of, uh, you know, comment on the episodes and, and if there's anything that you would like to see us talk about in the future, we're always open to that. Yeah. Uh, and you can also uh, check us out on our on our socials. You know, we're on all of the major social media platforms, so that's another good way you can communicate with us. Uh, you can reach out to us via email uh, at uh, kemmelandcox at gmail.com. You know, that's our official podcast email. So, uh, so be sure to check, uh, check all those things out and get in on the conversation, uh, with us. For sure. For sure. Uh, and, um, and you can also play a really big role in, in just helping us, uh, with this podcast, helping us to improve it. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, we've mentioned this a lot before, but, uh, but if you go to our Patreon page, um, we have a lot of different, uh, you know packages on there subscriptions or or whatever uh and uh you know just depending on what you're comfortable with and your budget uh Mm -hmm. but but you can play an instrumental role in taking this podcast to the next level uh just by you know contributing to it uh you know and because we want to we want to bring you the best uh, show that we possibly can the best content that we can possibly can there's like a whole multitude of things that we want to improve upon already and we can't do it without uh, so the support yeah, we, of our audience. Here. We can't. We can, but it's probably going to take a lot longer to yeah. get there. You know, because yeah. you know we're you know that's um, you know the the majority of the equipment that we're using right now has has been you know graciously supplied by Dylan. You know, he's he's uh, you know he's putting his you know hard hard earned money you know into this, and and uh, and we both you know even like with with uh you know lexcon you know we uh we split all those expenses you know right down the middle you know because it wasn't uh it, it wasn't really cheap you know to hmm. to be there yeah. i mean just to, yeah, just no. to have a booth just to have a space you know at a place like that and so you know we're right now all of those expenses are coming out of our our own pocket and uh but you know with your with your help you know we could you know we could do things like that we can uh we can improve our equipment you know we can put that towards a, a permanent uh location you know a permanent space uh and and just to just to bring you a really really uh, not only fun but a really professional looking uh podcast and that's where we want to be so yes. uh, so again go on there uh check that out and uh, take a look at some of those uh perks that we're offering mm-hmm. and uh, and i i don't know do we want to mention what our next episode is 
Oh, yes. Uh, uh, our next episode, we are going to be talking about the film uh, In Bruges. In Bruges. Uh, yes, which, uh, which I'm actually looking forward to checking out. I had not seen it. Uh, Dylan had shared uh, a little clip uh, from that with me, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Uh, and so I'm like, this is going to be an interesting movie. It stars uh, Colin Farrell. Uh, and, uh, so looking forward to getting, digging into that. Uh, so, uh, we hope you'll join us uh, for that next week. But, uh, but in the meantime, uh, as always, uh, be good to yourselves. Please, please be good to yourselves. And, uh, we'll see you next time around. Dipstick.